Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette coming to you the day after we have learned quite a bit about the results of the Democratic primaries in the 2021 New York City elections, including Eric Adams prevailing in the primary for New York City mayor and very likely on track to become the next mayor of New York City, the second black mayor of New York City, and a trailblazer in a number of other ways. There's still the general election, of course, and Adams will have to defeat Republican nominee Curtis Sliwa, among others who will be on the ballot. But in the overwhelmingly Democratic city, he has significant advantage heading into that general election. We still don't have 100% official certified results from the Board of Elections. Those are due likely next week, but we have very close to the final results. Eric Adams prevailing in the count of all the in-person votes and almost all of the absentee and affidavit votes. There's still a few hundred votes out there, ballots that can be cured by voters who voted absentee and some other final uh, votes to tie together. But in the final ranked choice runoff of the numbers we have so far, Eric Adams won 50.5% of the vote to Catherine Garcia's 49.5%, one percentage point, incredibly close race there. Maya Wiley will finish in third place, followed by Andrew Yang and Scott Stringer. But this really wound up being a three-candidate race with Adams, Garcia, and Wiley. Garcia edged Wiley in the next-to-last round of the ranked choice runoff. Uh, and then Garcia came up just short of Eric Adams. When Wiley eliminated in the ranked choice runoff, Garcia got a much bigger boost from Wiley's voters than Adams did. And tens of thousands of voters who wound up with Wiley did not rank either Garcia or Adams on their ballot, making those ballots exhausted once Wiley was eliminated by Garcia. Uh, remarkable to look at some of the ranked choice results. We'll have a lot more information on that at Gotham Gazette. But Eric Adams, the winner of the Democratic primary for mayor, we have a full rundown piece at Gotham Gazette for those who want to read about him and his background and his platform and prevailing over Garcia in the unofficial results by just over 8,400 votes and one percentage point. We can also say now that we are either completely certain or almost certain about a number of other Democratic nominees. Jamani Williams, the public advocate, who will be my guest later on in the show, is clearly going to be the Democratic nominee again for public advocate, will very likely win re-election. Brad Lander, who looked very strong in the Democratic Comptroller primary, has won there. Speaker Corey Johnson of the City Council has conceded that race. He came in second to Lander, who will be the Democratic nominee and very likely the next City Comptroller. In the borough president races, Antonio Reynoso winning the Democratic nomination in Brooklyn, Vanessa Gibson in the Bronx, Mark Levine in Manhattan, Mark Murphy on Staten Island. He will have a competitive general election against former Congressman Vito Fasella there. And in Queens, incumbent Queensboro President Donovan Richards holding on to a slight lead over former city council member Elizabeth Crowley. It looks like Richards will win that Democratic nomination and very likely remain Queensboro president, but there could be uh, some more counting of ballots there and even potentially a recount, depending on how things shake out in Queens. And of course, Alvin Bragg, the Democratic nominee for Manhattan District Attorney in one of the most important races of this cycle. We had Alvin Bragg on 
just after the primary to talk about his lead. He has won that primary for Manhattan DA and is almost certain to be the next Manhattan district attorney and the first black Manhattan district attorney at that. So those are the borough-wide, city-wide Democratic nominees, all of them heavily, heavily favored to win in the general elections. There will be uh, some competition in those general elections for the fall, but in overwhelming Democratic New York City, it's very likely all the Democratic nominees, except the Staten Island borough president race, uh, where the Republican will be favored there, will prevail. But we will, of course, examine the candidates and continue to cover the races through the general election and see where we're at. And we welcome back to Max Politics here with Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, public advocate, Jamani Williams. Public advocate, thanks for joining me. Peace and blessings, love and light. Thanks for having me, Max, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the show. So um, where do we find you? You you are out of the city right now, uh, but you're doing uh, important work. Where are you? What are you up to? Well, we are on the second day of a two-day uh, junket that we are coming now from Buffalo uh, to Ithaca. And we've touched a bunch of cities that have been dealing with uh, public safety and, and gun violence and trying to figure out uh, how to reframe it. And that's been some awesome conversations. Uh, as I mentioned before, I realized that you know, many cities are dealing with the same issues. And I think we can work on it together. Uh, it's even more powerful. And I had the great pleasure spending some time in Buffalo, actually, with uh, India Walton. Uh, who's Democratic nominee up there. And we had some conversations with some of the people doing gun violence work on the ground, uh, violence interruption work on the ground. So it was an awesome discussion. Okay, very interesting. And we'll we'll talk more about that. Last time you joined me, actually, we spent uh, a good portion of our conversation on your thoughts on combating gun violence in the city. And, and folks can find that episode of the podcast um, because we, we really dug in on a lot of your thoughts there. Um, Today, I want to I get your, your thoughts, first of all, on uh, your win in the Democratic primary for public advocate. You'll be the nominee again, very likely to win re-election. Uh, what's at the top of your agenda for a full term here as public advocate? First, you know, just thanking the folks in the city of New York. I don't take any of the stuff for granted, so I'm always honored uh, when people come out, find my name and bubble it in. That's just amazing. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I don't even think many folks realize this is going to actually be my first full term. I was just uh, finishing out the term of uh, just James, who's now the attorney general. I got to say, a lot of the issues that we were talking about for the past couple of years are still pretty germane. So as we're reopening, it really is about making sure that we don't go back to normal because normal simply can work for most New Yorkers. And the, the, we have an opportunity now. We lost tens of thousands of New Yorkers. It's, it's horrific. We have an opportunity to remember them by not going back to normal, by actually going back to a new normal, to deal with so many of the issues that we were talking about pre-pandemic. I would just ask, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to reframed in a way the structural investment. And I'm hoping as the public advocate, we can um, continue to push that conversation. It's an important one. It's one that takes time. It's one that takes some courage uh, because rightfully so, people are concerned. They, they see gun violence going up and they're rightfully concerned about what the plan is uh, to uh, address it and concerned about the viability of New York City economically. I want to make sure we have the plans that 
focus on everybody who lives in New York City, uh, not just some. What are the top couple of things that need to happen right now to bring rates of gun violence down in the city? You know, I've been talking about this for, I think, quite some time. And so listening to the governor yesterday in his press conference, it was very good to hear so many of the, the, the talking points, so many of the plans being put into place that we have been pushing for quite some time. And now we just have to see if it's going to be backed up by one funding to the groups that really need it and uh, on the ground, not just the groups that people know by name and also so structural issues. And so the first is really, really understand what's going to keep us safe and what's not going to keep us safe and understanding uh, everyone understand just coming to grips. Law enforcement has a role to play. That's there's just no way around it. But you know the NYP has the most gun arrests right now than they've ever had, I believe, in the history of the department. So that alone, in, in, in Times Square, obviously, you can't get any more police and you still see violence. So that alone doesn't work. Visited Newark, New Jersey, actually, a few uh, few weeks ago. It was remarkable because they, we, I asked the mayor Barack, you know, what what's what's working there? Last year they had no rising violence, gun violence shootings. They didn't have the same issues we have with protests. What's working? And he said, actually, he's doing what we've been doing here in New York City. And I tried to understand well, what is the primary difference. And the primary difference, I, as I got it, is that there was a mayor who was really bought in to this. There was a police commissioner that was really bought into this. There's a police commissioner that reports, quite honestly, to a the director of public safety that's brought into this. And they made structural changes, like things that we've been pushing for some time. Not only the police department is looking at the, the data and statistics in the in Newark, everybody, or everybody who is uh, heads of agency who's working on these community groups. We have a mayor's office of gun violence, which is awesome here in New York City, but it's kind of an aside. And so everybody needs to be at the table looking at this. And I think that's a very important structural change that we can look at. I, I do feel good about hearing that the federal government and ATF is finally uh, trying to figure out how they can assist with the gun violence here. What I'm concerned about is making sure that they're not just focused on um, you know, the arrests, which of course there's gonna be some of those, but making sure that, that when you have an arrest and you look at the gun, that you track it back to see where that gun came from and an irresponsible dealer and make sure that we shut down that irresponsible dealer. Because if you just come in, try to break in doors and, and arresting up a whole community, it's not, it's not gonna result in what we wanna see change. Mm -hmm. And um, we're talking the day after uh, the unofficial, but very close to official results in a lot of the primaries that were still unclear. Uh, first and foremost, Eric Adams winning the Democratic nomination for mayor. What's your general reaction to the outcome there and, uh, and your, your hopes and prospects and, and thoughts on his uh, very likely ascension to becoming the next mayor of New York City? I think as most New Yorkers, this is probably first thing, it's over, right? So uh, we've been waiting for quite some time. We've seen some terrible blunders. Now we got an answer. We know what it is. Uh, and let's just all move forward. So that's that's number one. It very much looks like um, it'll be myself, uh, Brad Lander, and Eric Adams, uh, along with uh, a pretty progressive council, um, some of our presidents, and so it's time for us to kind of look forward about how we're going to govern. Of course, assuming uh, that we make it through the general election, which looks good, but you, you can't take any of that stuff for granted. Mm -hmm. I actually look at it 
along the state because one of the things that we heard is, you know, again, we're not clear what a progressive means anymore because the governor says he's progressive. So it's, it's interesting. But in terms of talking about the ideas and the things that I've mentioned, people were saying that people rejected that and it just wasn't true. Again, if you look at uh, from Buffalo to Brooklyn Borough Hall, uh, people very much were receptive to that. I spoke to a, a council member actually in Rochester, one of the places where they're seeing them bounce, who identifies themselves as abolitionists elected to the city council. So people are actually being receptive to these ideas. And what I found is that is explained and they can broaden out and open it up, people understand it. And they see the, the need for talking about reallocating funds and making sure that agencies have access to overtime the same way that the NYPD does, particularly agencies like Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. They understand that. And so we have to get past the headline answers that people do during campaigns and the quick sound bites that are easier to explain and really push forward a narrative that is more holistic. And I'm looking forward to, with all the people who are elected, uh, being a part of that conversation and turning that conversation into action. Now, Eric Adams obviously ran on a you know platform of being a former uh, MIPD officer up through captain and that he can bring gun violence down the city and, and make the city safer. Um, but also the fact that he's been a police reformer over decades, including from within the department where, where leadership in the department wasn't particularly happy with how outspoken he was. Um, many people are viewing his win as sort of a repudiation of the idea of defund the NYPD. Uh, you know, some people point out that Eric Adams is him, himself has talked about a lot of this holistic picture that you talk about. I mean, as, as much as he talked about the police department, he's also talking about, uh, you know, revamping the education system to make sure so many kids uh, with dyslexia are not winding up dropping out and winding up on Rikers. You know, he's, he's got a lot more to say than, than some of this, but he very clearly was in a different camp than yourself in terms of approach to the police department and the police department budget in a lot of ways. So what do you make of his success in this race on, on that front? Well, you know, at first I want to reject this notion that any election is a repudiation of anything, as I mentioned. From Buffalo to Brooklyn Borough Hall, we saw many people elected in important positions um, that have been saying the things I've been saying for quite some time. Again, you know, Brad Lander, myself, Antonio Reynoso, a number of city council members in New York City who have been and pushing the same talking points that, that I've been pushing that were elected. Uh, everyone knows that I supported as my number one choice, Ma Riley. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, have many of us uh, got in behind uh, my earlier, uh, we may see some different results as well. So that has to be taken into account. It's hard to, as much as people want to make it about one race, you got to look at it as a whole. Secondly, I was clear that we have to exhaust our list and we have to put on the ballot the five people. And, you know, I, thought it was uh, necessary for me to not just say it, but to do it as much as I was going to get a lot of hits, <laughs> uh, which I did. And Eric Adams was on that list. Uh, and, you know, as I spoke to people, many things that you said, uh, I have worked with Eric on a whole host of issues, including gun violence. And I know he believes very much in the, in the holistic approach. I also know what it's like to be a, a, a as you say, I understand what it's like, as was mentioned, to be a police officer fighting 
the department from the inside. That's, that's difficult to do. Um, during last year, when I was looking for many leaders to join me in pushing back uh, what the mayor and the governor were doing in the pandemic and asked the DOJ to come in and look at it, it was Eric Adams who, who answered the call. Um, so there's a lot of good things I've worked with Eric. I will say I was, and I've been clear about that, I was quite concerned uh, with some of the things that I heard being said on the campaign trail. I'll also say I was concerned about a lot of candidates, right? There was, I don't think there was any one candidate people say, oh, this is the 100% what you're looking for. So my hope is that uh, Eric Adams, the Eric Adams that shows up is the one that I've worked with on all these issues and the one who was talking about the holistic approach and not the one that I heard something said that I'm hoping was said in the moment of a campaign. Um, and now as we get ready to govern, uh, we'll go back to the things that, that I've worked with him on for, for a number of years. Are you referring there to him uh, at one point uh, a little while back uh, talking about stop and frisk as a great tool? Is that what you're referring to or something else? I think there was a number of things that were said. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it, the election's over, so I don't think there's really much point to adjudicate them. I will say when it, when it comes to stop and frisk, people often get it confused. And if they listen to what he said, and that, I think there's, there's a number of spaces that I, I take exception to. That one was actually a little closer to reality than, than folks uh, thought because it, well, the problem was that the abuses of stop and frisk, right? And so stop and frisk as a tool across policing, you have to have a reasonable suspicion to stop someone. Stop and frisk as a crime-fighting entity, as a crime-fighting uh, crime fighting tool is not a good use. Attaching it to quotas is not a good use and must be repudiated fully and thoroughly um, not, I either didn't do a good job of explaining that or people um, received it differently, but it was in, I think, in isolation, that is one thing, but in combination with a, some other things that we were, that were said along the same lines of the, what law enforcement role is going to play here uh, was cause for concern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've spoken and hopefully we can continue to speak. But again, the, the, the Eric Adams that I worked with on the holistic approach of gun violence is the one I'm looking forward to um, partnering with to really approach this in a way where we're not focused on law enforcement's um, outsized role here. That we really understand the other agencies and other community groups that have to not just be funded, but funded uh, effectively and have a structural change in how we do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you said uh, that you know you, you supported Maya Wiley, of course, and um, you know, there, there could have been some more sort of coalescing behind her uh, earlier, perhaps. Are you, are you a little bit regretful that you didn't get behind her a little bit earlier? I mean, you, you got behind her about two weeks before primary day. Do you wish you had done that a little sooner and tried to really uh, also do your part in sort of pulling more progressive support behind her earlier? Well, there's a, there's a lot of lessons here. And I think one is, quote unquote, progressives need to, and folks on the left, or however you're describing um, uh, people need to, I think, have a conversation a lot sooner. And I think one of the lessons is kind of rallying around somebody earlier. I would say I actually had plans to perhaps not get involved at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really when I started, it seemed that the, the conversation about public safety was just going in, a, in an incredibly bad direction. And then that's when I figured, okay, there are very long lasting impacts to things that we say in a campaign 
and that's when I decided, okay, let me try to jump in and see if we can at least begin to have people understand how we need to be framing the public safety discussion. Mm-hmm. And so that was a decision. That was when I made the decision. Again. You, you referenced Brad Lander, who you supported in the controller race uh, being victorious. You know, when you look at the sort of results of the controller race, you look at the results of the mayoral race, what, what Brad Lander was able to do in the controller race was sort of combine areas that Catherine Garcia and Maya Wiley did really well in the mayoral race. Um, again, that's, that's a rough estimate in terms of some of the geography of the vote. Um, but it seems like both for, uh, let's just say, the Wiley campaign and even the Lander campaign to an extent, people running further to the left did not do as well in either of those races in communities of color. Eric Adams did extremely well in parts of Brooklyn, Queens, uh, Upper Manhattan, the Bronx, that are largely Black and Latino communities. There's a lot of discussion here about progressives having a problem in communities of color. You're obviously a Black man who has done very well as a progressive in citywide elections and even in your run for lieutenant governor. How are you thinking about that conversation? What's your reaction to the sort of flood of commentary around challenges for progressives in communities of color? Well, I've always and consistently tried to remind folks that the communities sometimes on its face aren't immediately seen as left, they're immediately seen as progressive. Uh, But when you look at someone like Jamal Bowman and and myself, sometimes I think what's missing is uh, people are sometimes having conversation with these communities and they come in with a predetermined result of that conversation. And what needs to happen is we have to listen to black and brown communities and not assume that they are in a place uh, they may not, not be. And we have to listen to their real lived uh, traumas and their real lived experiences. And there are some folks who don't do that. There are some folks who come in and, okay, this is where you should be. This is what you need to be doing. And that's that can be seen as very disrespectful. And sometimes it is disrespectful. And I want to be honest about it. So what we have to do, uh, you know, in the progressive world, the left world, is respect black and brown leadership, is respect black and brown experiences, and work with that. But I will say, again, once you show that respect, the the the, the things that I'm that I push, the things that I speak about, black and brown people agree with. And what has to happen is a discussion needs to occur. And many times folks don't want to take time to have that discussion. Of course, black folks and brown folks uh, and all the all the folks that that encompasses, they want to live in safe communities. And, and they've worked very hard uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to make those communities safe. They've worked hard perhaps to, to purchase a home. They're working hard to make their child go to school. And they're trying to get the, the dream that was promised. And we have to respect that journey that they're taking. And I, I, my hope is that we will learn that when we go into these communities or people go into these communities and they're not from them, we have to show uh, a little bit more respect to those experiences. Mm-hmm. And once we do that, the conversation is going to get a lot easier because I, you know, the things that we're saying, again, the governor calls himself progressive. So if the governor is calling himself progressive, that means there's something to the progressive message. Um, that people agree with. And quite frankly, many of the battles, even around policing, uh, you, you mentioned defund and things of that nature. They, that 
those calls have been around since the 60s, the Panthers and, and black leadership and black people have been pushing this conversation. So we have to respect. And, you know, to your question before, even when it comes to defund, what I've repeatedly said is, why are we focused, stop focusing on a word or a hashtag. Our, our job as leaders are not to tell activists how to express their trauma. Let them do that. Our job as leaders is to take that trauma, that pain, and turn it into real policy. And I've never heard anyone say defund public safety. So we have to figure out what do people mean and how do we turn that into a real structural change. And I'll tell you, all the things that we talked about, right, is what was happening in Newark, New Jersey, and has been working. And the communities that they've been working in are also black and brown. The things that we've been doing up until 2019 that had crime going down, things that I've been pushing were in black and brown communities. So they are receptive to this. Uh, and they will be receptive to it. But what we have to do a better job is uh, being respectful of their experiences and not just going in and telling folks what they should be doing uh, when they've been working on these issues uh, for quite some time. We're in our last two minutes here with Public Advocate Jamani Williams. Uh, again, appreciate the time, especially as you're uh, traversing some of the upstate territory, working with uh, local leaders in different cities up there uh, on some of these gun violence issues that we've been talking about, uh, obviously, and you've been working on for, for a very long time. Uh, last couple of questions, policing or not, what's one thing that you're particularly, um, you know, feel sort of promising about Eric Adams's potential mayoralty? Is there, is there something that really sticks out for you that has a promising item from his campaign? Well, two things, good or bad, he does have the courage of saying something and then doing it. Um, whether it's the DOJ, whether it's sticking to something that we may not agree with, uh, or, you know, whether it's handing out um, PPEs to transportation workers when everybody's saying we can't do it. He's literally the only one out there. And so there's a courage there that I think is needed. And two, you know, we have to work a little bit on some of the, the ways he's framing leasing, but he understands the work uh, that is being done on the ground with gun violence. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I speak to some other folks, there's a learning curve that needed to happen about why this stuff is important. He, he knows that on the outset. And so if we can just focus on that and then really push that, I think we can do some good things and hopefully work on some of the things that I heard uh, around law enforcement during the, during the campaign. Of course, understanding that the law enforcement has a role to play I think, you know, I'm hopeful around that. And, you know, Ben, I just want to also just thank you before we're up for all your coverage uh, on local elections, and local council races. There's not too many people focusing on those uh, and they're, they're really important. So I, I, pre oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, very much appreciate it. And, and last question, can't, can't let you go without asking you this. You tweeted the other day, I might've asked you this anyway, but uh, are, you, uh, are you looking at a run for governor in uh, next year's election? Quite honestly, I have not done the deep dive uh, thinking um, uh, that I think people are assuming I am. I knew that tweet would be kind of fun because I mm -hmm. see people are, are in that space. But, you know, very honestly, we just want to primary. I am thinking about making sure that we, that we can, you know, don't take the general for granted. And then I have some thinking to do about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I really have not. I, you know, it's an honor that folks are uh, mentioning it. You know, I have some folks on my team sometimes. That, that bring it up and I'm like, you know, not yet. So I haven't, I haven't done that deep dive. And I think folks have a hard time understanding someone in politics is not always thinking about 
the chess game. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a full answer to that yet, but I haven't, it's not something I've really ran through the, the mathematics of. All right, we're going to leave it there. Public Advocate Jamani Williams, thanks for taking some time. And we'll, of course, check in with you down the road again. Thanks again, Ben. Really appreciate right, it. Thank you.